Sarah. <laughs> what kind of podcast is this? <laughs> Talking about Big Clinton sausages. Mm-mm-mm. My zucchini boats are soggy. <laughs> you need to see a doctor. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch. I'm Clinton. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. Welcome to Murder Brunch. We're the Murder Brunch Bunch. I'm Clinton. I'm Rachel. I'm Joe. And this is the podcast where we bring you two tales of mayhem and murder and discuss where a killer lies on Dr. Michael Stone's scale of evil. Getting better at it. What are we drinking today? Do we want to talk about it? Oh, so are we, are we diving in? Are we diving are we, into... Let's dive in. Okay. All right. For brunch. For brunch. We have today another amazing spread. Thank you. Homemade frittatas. They're Mexican this time. Mm. We have yogurt with honey and fruits. And granola. I added granola. <laughs> uh, bacon, sausage, zucchini boats. And when we say sausage, <laughs> oh yeah, these aren't right. like your little tiny. No, this is straight up kielbasa. Yeah, these are. Yeah, these are gonna strangle a man. <laughs> An inexperienced <laughs> amateur of a man. <laughs> And then I chose to make a cookie dough pudding pie, which is very sweet. It's just straight up. I don't even, I can't even explain this. This is a big, it's just, I don't know. It looks like an unbaked, like, cake or something that. It's an unbaked cookie cake. Yeah, Yeah. and I kept looking at the the recipe to be like, am I supposed to cook this? But there's nothing raw in it. It's all, like, there were eggs in the pudding, but the pudding got cooked because I did it on, on the stove. So, I don't know. It's and just then, edible cookie dough. That's what it is. And yes, he doesn't like yes. that. Yeah, that is what it is. And we have some delightful friendship bread, courtesy of, I don't know, can we say friends of the show? We can say friends of the show. Friends of the show. We won't give out names. They're friends of us anyway. They're friends of us. Who got us this like cinnamony dessert bread. That's it's almond Amish. friendship bread. Yeah, it's just really, really good. Really good. All right, and then for our cocktails. So got? our cocktail today is called... An electric lemonade. Ooh. It has um, citron vodka, blue curacao. Uh, and a little uh, ounce of lemon juice. No. No. <laughs> it does not have that. <laughs> Let me pull it up because I've drank so much that I can't remember what <laughs> Citron vodka, blue curacao, and sour mix, which mm. I guess has got some lemon in it. And then blend that all together with some... Lemon lime carbonated drink of your choice, <laughs> and uh, so they have to pay a sponsorship before we'll say it on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, they are delicious. They are perfect summer drink. Very cool. And they're blue. The color itself makes them fun. The fact that they're tasty is a bonus. So who wants to guess what the story is? Because today we're doing a literary character. Yes, every now oh, and then. So it's literary. It well, and, and, but well, there are movies. There are movies, but movies as well. Okay. Yes. Every now and then we like to throw in, just to kind of change things up a bit, one of a fictional character for our scale for fun. Last season we did Lord Voldemort and the Brewster sisters from Arsenic and Old Lace. And today for our first literary character we have... Well, wait. Oh, you want to guess? No. What was it called again? Electric Lemonade. Maybe some... I'm thinking like a punk character or... Oh! Is it... Is it... uh, Is it Frankenstein? 
<laughs> is it Frankenstein? Frankenstein's monster? <laughs> the year. 1817. Victoria, mm -hmm. England. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Clinton, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And Done. And imagine being born, not knowing any mother, and having a father who instantly and violently rejects you. Of course. You know, like how you grew up. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, being a mere baby, those events would, would potentially have no bearing. But what if you were born with full consciousness as an adult mind, but without any guidance and the inability to navigate the world you suddenly find yourself in, alone? And abandoned. Your eyes are not closed. They <laughs> You're were. Not imagining. They were. <laughs> uh, these are the circumstances of the birth of Frankenstein's monster. Oh, oh, that's it. Of course, there is no backstory in way of childhood. Literally, in an instant of electric shock, the creature comes into being, comes to life fully aware. However, right after his birth, his creator, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, who at first sees him as a beautiful creature and an amazing wonder, suddenly comes to realize that what he created was a horror and a grotesque abomination. And Victor makes it more than clear what he thinks of his creation. Victor flees after realizing what he has done, leaving the creature alone. This is where he does putting on the Ritz, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, totally dejected, the creature escapes the lab and retreats to the country, ultimately living in an abandoned shack. Throughout his journey, he is constantly being abused by people who both fear and hate him based on his appearance. Once he secludes himself in the shack, he is able to quietly observe a poor family. As time goes by, the creature feels an attachment to the family and anonymously helps them by, by collecting firewood or clearing snow. Ultimately, he feels like if anyone is going to give him a chance, it would be this family. He's watched them long enough that he knows that they are good people, so he visits the home. The only one home is the blind father of the family. Of course. Mm -hmm. So being that he cannot see what the creature looks like, he is invited in. They eat and drink and talk for a while, but unfortunately, when the rest of the family arrive home, they all totally lose their shit and attack the creature. That's interesting because in the movies, Frankenstein's monster is shown as like the sh shambling, like, uh, like he had talking to something like that. In the book, he's really eloquent. Oh yeah, he, he teaches himself to speak by listening to this family. Yeah. And he teaches himself to read because he finds like a lost satchel of books in the woods. Right. So like he looks grotesque, but he can hold a conversation just fine. But I mean, you have to think that that shows an even heightened level of intelligence if you teach yourself to oh, read. Oh yeah, yeah. He runs away and the next day the poor family pack up everything and just leave. Like, it knows where we live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're afraid he's going to come back. At this point, the creature figures he needs help. And the only person he believes will help him is his creator, Dr. Victor Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> no. <laughs> he knows that Victor lived in Geneva, so he sets out. Sometime along the way, the creature saves a child from drowning in the river. But instead of being viewed as a hero, the father of the child shoots him. 
This event really drives home the fact that normal human society will never accept him and not even just not accept him and leave him be, but will actively try to destroy him. So, you know what? Fuck humans. <laughs> and now he wants some revenge. Aww. Once he reaches Geneva, for some reason that's not completely specified, but probably in an effort to hurt Victor, the creature kills William, Victor's younger brother. Mm. He then frames Justine, William's nanny, for the crime. Victor knows. Wait, wait. How old is William? I don't know. But he has a nanny. Yes. So oh, he's, he's a, y- a young, young one. Okay. Victor knows the creature is the murderer, but he cannot prove it. And he knows that no one would believe him if he relates this fantastical story of creating a man. So he is helpless as Justine is hung for the crime. Hanged. Hanged. Hanged <laughs> for the crime. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> you know how much I appreciate. You don't know about Justine. <laughs> I don't know about Justine. Maybe she is hung for the crime. Gross. You used to be called Justin. <laughs> oh, that's sad. I, I, well, I have questions, but I'll save them for the end. Go ahead. I, I do want to interrupt for just a second. The stage performance with Benedict Cumberbatch and yes. Ryan Lee Miller is exceptional. It was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. If anyone gets a chance to watch that, that was, uh, we were, we actually, the three of us got to see it in theaters. Yeah. And it was very well done. Very well done. In, in the movie theater. We didn't get to actually go see it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it was actually a fairly close portrayal of what the book was trying to, at least the monster was the eloquent, articulate mm-hmm. person that we were discussing. Johnny Lee Miller. I think I said Ryan Miller. You did. I wonder where you got that from. Johnny Lee Miller. Who the fuck is Ryan Miller? (laughs) Okay. We just talked about um, how Justine's hung. Yes. (laughs) All right. Racked by guilt, Victor escapes to the mountains, where the creature ultimately finds him. There, the creature offers a deal. Either Victor creates a female companion for the creature, or he will kill Victor's family and friends and will spend the rest of his days ruining his life. Gross. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that is the epitome of, of I'm entitled to a lady, and I think that's a bad way to look at things. The creature argues that he is a living being, and everything living has the right to happiness. And he promises that once created, he and his companion would disappear into the South American wilderness, never to be seen again. Mm. So if you think of it that way... Again, lady has no say in any of this. True. You're going to give sentient mental capacity to a woman and say by the way these are all the things that you have to do with your life now 1817 yeah just mary shelley was really cool you know know, mary shelley was just completely on the patriarchy (laughs) victor reluctantly agrees but after misgivings that the female creature would be just as if not more evil Because that's how ladies work. She's gonna have a period. <laughs> I don't know if that, that menstrual cycle will get you. It'll get you. <laughs> now I'm trying to think of the biology of building a woman and whether she would have a menstrual cycle. Because that also leads to the idea that they could have a Frankenstein baby. But that's also <laughs> another thing. He was also afraid that they would somehow spawn a race of horrible giants. Yeah. However, Dr. Frankenstein doesn't really know how biology works because it's all just human parts. Yeah. 
So you're just going to make, if it's even possible, I mean, come on, <laughs> but you're just going to make another human baby. It makes me think of in the movie Species, they have the line, we made it female so it would be more docile and controllable. Mm, and we're not. Same thing for Jurassic Park. Yeah. Did you see what that T-Rex did? Yeah. She tore that shit up. Women rule the world. Victor tears the female creature apart and never finishes the task. Ugh. That's sad. He does it right in front of the creature. Wait, does he tear does he tear the female apart because he doesn't want to complete it or to or because he can't or what is Because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. Okay. Because his morality whatever that may be at this moment. <laughs> Quote unquote morality. Yeah, um, tells him that he shouldn't. Okay. One is enough apparently. The creature himself threatens Victor stating, "Quote, I will be with you on your wedding night." Ew. <laughs> Yes. Again, creature. Horrible. A little. On every kind of definition <laughs> that you can put to it. <laughs> just a little intrusive, that's all. <laughs> little just, space. just look at the window and he's just like peeking through the window. Hey, Victor. <laughs> hey, maybe Victor's into that. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Victor's like, promise? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then as Victor is destroying his laboratory equipment, the creature strangles Victor's traveling companion. Oh, well, fuck, that poor guy. And frames Victor for it. Oh, man. He's got an M.O. I know. It just It's like, why don't you just kill Victor? If, if all of your crimes are... He wants him to suffer yeah. or do for him what he wants. Mm. So Yes. You have a lot of insight into this, Clinton. <laughs> are you Victor Frankenstein? <laughs> Victor is arrested but proven innocent. While in jail, he has a complete mental breakdown. And when released, he returns home to his father's care. Fast forward. Victor Frankenstein marries a woman named Elizabeth. They're all named Elizabeth. Well, it's all com- it's kind of convoluted too because Elizabeth is actually kind of like his adopted sister. Neat. Yeah. Uh, Eighteen seventeen. Mm. Anyway. Well, I guess as long as they're not relate blood no, related. No, no. If you're raised with someone that's supposedly one of your siblings, even adopted, that's eighteen seventeen. Mm. <laughs> Justine was also apparently like kind of adopted too, but I guess maybe they didn't like her as much and they just made her the nanny. Well, she was probably an adopted urchin, whereas this Elizabeth was probably like the daughter of a cousin who died in childbirth or true, something like that. True, true. Which means they probably are related by blood. All I'm saying is that if Paul Rudd is your stepbrother <laughs> and so you hot. end up hooking up oh with them God. afterwards, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, Murder Brunch stands by the fact that Clueless is not incest. <laughs> well, he wasn't her stepbrother anymore because they were divorced. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, adopted sister, <laughs> sure. not related to you at all. And maybe, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay, so he marries Elizabeth. On their wedding night, Victor instructs Elizabeth to wait in the room while he hunts down the creature. Like, he's ready. He's packing pistols and knives and everything. He arms himself fully prepared in the thought that the creature will return to kill him now that he has found true happiness. But no. Instead, the creature strangles Elizabeth in her bed and escapes out the window. Duh! Fuck you, Victor. (laughs) Victor vows revenge! Mm -hmm. There's a lot of revenge going on. And chases the creature for the rest of his life. They go all over the world Ending at the North Pole. I don't know if you're... I mean, we've all read this. We've all read it. But um, I forgot that the beginning of it is they 
find both the creature and Frankenstein in the North Pole riding dog sleds. <laughs> like chasing each other Like around. chasing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have forgotten so much of this book. Yeah. Go ahead. And I haven't even really done most of it because I'm only doing it from the creature's point of mm-hmm. view. Right? There's a whole bunch before he's even made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on. Victor dies from simply being worn out from chasing his monster everywhere. The creature is discovered mourning over his creator's body Mm. and admits that he regrets his crimes as they never brought him any joy and then decides that the Beck's action is to kill himself. And in the end, the creature floats out to sea on an ice raft, never to be seen again. So I have a question and you can cut this out. Did you read Frankenstein to create this? Like, did you read it recently? Or did you just do, like, Cliff's Note stuff? I did Cliff's Note stuff, but it was more like I need to refresh my memory and make sure that what I remember from the book actually happened. And then, of course, it's, like, sequencing. Right. You know? And also, like, young Frankenstein, despite the fact that I realize that is not the true story of Frankenstein, it filters into my memories of Frankenstein just because it's all now. No, really, when it's like, oh, he saved a kid from a river. I'm like, didn't he toss a kid? (laughs) Right. I was pretty surprised because so yeah the the Cumberbatch Johnny like it's spot on the it's that really story close. yeah I have not read the book I have oh. never read the book again that surprises me yeah I it's remember really well done. I mean obviously it's a classic so you've never read Frankenstein and you never watched Twin Peaks correct but you have seen Clueless a number Wow, that's a good one. That's, so who are we putting on the scale, Victor or the monster? The monster. Victor never actually killed anybody. True. In fact, he did the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, I mean, okay. he did a little grave digging and, mm-hmm. you know, stealing of body parts, but... And if we assume that the Bride of Frankenstein was never brought to life before he destroyed her, then that wouldn't count. Right, he didn't kill as a, the Bride As a killing. Either. Okay, all right. So Just a mismanaging about... of materials. <laughs> so we're talking about the monster. The monster. So there are a few levels we can put him in, but it. No, oh, jeez, Clinton. <laughs> Clinton farted. <laughs> um. Well, let's talk real quick about scale. Okay. Yes. What is the scale, Joe? So we are going to be putting. Frankenstein's monster on the scale of evil devised by Dr. Michael Stone in his book, Anatomy of Evil. The scale has 22 levels. It starts with level one. Justifiable homicide. And goes to level two, or why? Why? Why all the time? We've been doing that a lot. And goes to level 22. Psychopathic torture murderers with torture as their primary motive. The motive need not always be sexual. Very good. And so you have some ideas already for where you think... I do. And tr- and truthfully, it kind of reminds me of the argument, or the discussion, I should say. Not the argument. We don't argue here. We don't argue. Uh, the discussion we had from last week. Oh. In, are we talking about someone who is got psychopathic traits or full-on psychopathic? Because I chose, uh, or I am leaning toward level 10 or level 11, and that is killers of people in the way. Hmm. Because he killed three people. He killed William. He killed Victor's traveling companion, who has a name, but I can't remember off the bat. And then he also killed Elizabeth. Now, he had no problem with any of these three people. It was simply 
they were tools to inflict pain on Victor. Right. So, so the in the way part is in the way of getting what he wants from Victor. Yeah. I thought there was a level that had to do with revenge, though. Was there not? I'm looking for that. There's a few interesting ones. Killing in self-defense, but extremely provocative towards the victims. And then they're not mm, quite... That's no. towards the victim, not towards someone. What about murder sparked by smoldering rage, resulting sometimes in mass murder? Like, he... Obviously, anger is what fuels the monster. Yeah, but he's not angry at those people. No, but that is his ultimate motivation, is he, is he is angry at Victor, and so he takes it out by killing the people around him. Just like our last discussion, number five also fits this pretty well, the traumatized, desperate persons who kill relatives or others yet have remorse. Mm. I would think that one would be better than the smoldering rage. Yeah, but he doesn't have remorse. He doesn't care that he's He did. He, he clearly He says he does. Mm. He regrets his actions. Mm. <laughs> It's canon, Rachel. <laughs> see, the thing about it is, is that from what I see, and I'm approaching it from what we know of people now, yeah, as to what they knew of people in 1817, mm, right? That's, yeah, that's hard. Because if you're thinking about it as a person, right, he would have been traumatized. He would have been. Yeah, I mean, he's born into existence. And then completely rejected immediately. Yes, yeah. And then, I mean, he never is accepted by anybody. And, you know, his one chance of doing that is destroyed by Victor as well. Hmm. What do you think, Clinton? I tend to fall back to that one. I really like Category 5 for the monster of him being a traumatized person who kills and then has remorse about it. Okay. At least I feel that was the arc that the monsters intended to have. And yeah, for the, the reader. I would say he's not, he's not narcissistic. I don't think he's, if anything, he hates himself. So I don't think we're going into like category seven. Now you could jump potentially and say power hungry psychopaths who murder when cornered. But nobody's, cor- he's not killing, like he didn't kill the people who came after him with pitchforks and, and torches. He killed the people who were close to Victor. And those people didn't have anything to do with him. They weren't, like, they weren't cornering him. Right. But so here's also the other thing, right? In the story of Frankenstein, how Mary Shelley wrote it, is the creature supposed to be evil? Victor clearly thinks he is evil. Mm-hmm. But I mean, from but our right. view, living in 2021, I wouldn't say that he is evil, except he did kill people, which is a bad act. But I wouldn't say that he is. Well, I would even say Mary Shelley doesn't want you to consider him evil. I think that's what makes him so scary is that he's not a black and white character he's supposed to have you know layers of if not psychopathy then layers of i guess trauma of trying to figure out who he is and stuff like that i mean is he could have been a hero if people you know kept their shit together (laughs) well and if victor hadn't been such an asshole yeah but i mean like even after victor had Abandoned him and everything. Right, that he did he, try to make a goal. He was trying to do well. Yeah. And then people, because I've said it before, I'll say it again, people are the worst, okay? <laughs> Just kept on poking the bear, mm-hmm. you know, and shooting him. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think I I think the trauma level is probably the five. I think category five may be right, if only because I think that's what Mary Shelley would have wanted us to pick. I think it, I think she's looking down, going. Let's all hold hands and ask Mary. <laughs> I think that's what she intended the reader to feel about the character. Right. 
the real monster is the doctor. Yeah, that's true. Or people. That's true. Like that's what I think that's what you're supposed to think. The only possible thing, uh, other one than potentially jump way up to fifteen, psychopathic, cold blooded spree or multiple murders. And he did kill in cold blood. He did, but I would say, but I almost feel like that one requires no planning. Like it's just going around killing people, and he had like whoever you come upon, right? And he had a little more. It wasn't. Obviously. It wasn't spree. Obviously, I mean, because there were years and stuff. Yeah, right. Apart from each other. God, it's almost planning. into the torture, but he's not torturing the victims. No, he's torturing Frankenstein. Yeah, and it's a psychological rather than a mental or, yeah. or a physical physical torture. All right. Well, tour, 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 tour. I'll put my vote in for five. I'll put mine in for five. Traumatized and desperate. Five. I'm batting fives all around. All right. Uh, the other five we have is Vivian Miranda Martin. That poor, crazy. <laughs> I mean, she was. That was the one who killed her daughter, right? Yes. Yeah. That's a fun comparison to make. <laughs> She's Frankenstein's monster. Okay. Good. Before we go to the second story. I think I want to refresh on my cocktail. Okay. I too would enjoy another cocktail. This is the story of the Lady of the Dunes. Lady mm, of the Dunes. Okay. All right. So it's a, a very popular true crime story, but I, I I do go into one detail that I that I haven't heard anyone really talk about yet. Anyway, we're starting with July 26, 1974. A 13-year-old is walking her dog and finds a decomposing body at Race Point Dunes in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Unidentified for 47 years. Okay, that's how long the, the body... I mean, now. We're now, you know, currently. Um, she hasn't been laying there for 47 years. Right, 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 right. They, so they found her in 1974. They have yet to be able to identify who this person is. So really, all we have about her are the details from the crime scene. I know we don't typically do this because we're already called murder brunch, but I just want to give a bit of a trigger warning because this gets pretty gross. So here we go. She was located 15 feet from an access road and there was a set of tire tracks nearby and two sets of footprints. Now an author, this woman who's now an author, her name is Sandra Lee. She said she discovered the body two days prior when she was nine years old and camping with her family, but she never told anyone about it. So it's, yeah. So Likely it's, story. <laughs> So I, the reason I mentioned this fact is because there were tire tracks and, and feet print near her. We don't know if those were actually related to the murder. Like it might have been other people who saw her there and didn't report it. Who knows? Seems unlikely based on the status of how the body looks. I think if an adult found it, it they would have reported it immediately. But maybe children would have been scared. I don't know. But either way, I just wanted to throw that out there. The body was a white female who had been dead between 10 days and three weeks. She was found face down on a green towel, and under her head was a folded pair of Wranglers and a blue bandana. Her toenails were painted pink. Several teeth were missing from her mouth, but she had what was called New York-style dental work, which is worth thousands of dollars. So she was obviously probably upper middle class at least, took care of herself. Also, her hands were missing, and one forearm. In place of those were piles of pine needles, almost to make it look like those were where her hands were again was that done by the murderer or just by natural seaside erosion like they pushed pine needles up to i don't know but gross (laughs) seems like a weird seaside erosion kind of thing yes absolutely i just i don't like to make any kind of 100 percent call on anything speaking of warnings 
cocktail number two is a little stronger. Oh, terrific. (laughs) (laughs) She was nearly decapitated, but her official cause of death was a head-crushing blow with what they thought was a military entrenchment tool, which is like a shovel, right? Yeah, it's a short shovel. She was sexually assaulted after her death. Ew. By some accounts, by a block of wood. Double ew. Yeah. She was 25 to 35 years old, athletic build, auburn hair, and a ponytail. She may have been murdered in her sleep, and since she was on only half of the towel, police think she had company. She had someone else that was sitting with her. Police tried to find the dentist who worked on her teeth. They followed up on lots of vehicles that could make the tracks, and they searched through thousands of missing person reports. They also searched the area for more evidence, and nothing else was found on site. This is one of those cases where, as far as I could tell, the police did do everything they could. Like, there, there seems to have been a lot of work into trying to figure out who this girl was and what happened to her. Unfortunately, they just could not come up with anything. She was buried in 1974, but exhumed for advances in technology. So, for instance, she, facial reconstruction was performed in 1979. They brought her out then. Her body was exhumed in 1980 and again in 2000 for DNA testing. Okay. And in 2010... Her skull, which had not been reinterred, so they had kept the skull out for 10 years, they put it through a CT scanner of a more advanced technology in order to produce more accurate facial reconstructions. So if you were to look up the case of the Lady in the Dunes, there's tons of different artist compositions of it, of ones that they've done with the CT scans. Of There, there, were one, there was one I found that was very... It seemed to be pretty accurate, and they did it with freckles and without, to give you an idea, because auburn-haired people typically have freckles, but they were, you know, they're giving both. There are lots of pictures of this lady. So here's some theories about who she was. People called in, once they heard this case, because it made national news, called in thinking it was a sister or a daughter, but none of the leads from those were conclusive. There was a woman in Boston, I think, who called in saying it was her sister and that she had lost touch with her sister for, for years and years and years. And again, it was followed up, but they just could not prove any of those were true. In 1987, a Canadian woman said she witnessed her father strangle a woman on the beach when she was five. Holy shit. Yeah. When Massachusetts police could finally make it to talk to this woman, she had moved and could never be found. So that Canadian woman might actually have some information, but she never reached out again to the police. Or maybe she just, she thought they weren't interested in what she had to say. I don't know. Plus, because it had to come from, she called the Canadian police, and then they called Massachusetts. And so I don't know how long it took it to get through the channels. She might also be full of shit. That is very true as well. At one point, they thought she was a 24-year-old drug dealer and bank robber who had escaped from a correctional facility. That was Rory Kessinger. But DNA from Rory's mother, they got from Rory's mother, did not match the woman on the beach. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. (laughs) So that didn't work out. And then, so okay, so that means that Rory escaped from prison and and just has not been found. She did it. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. And then the most popular theory that everybody loves to talk about is that she is an extra who was in the movie Jaws. It was being filmed at the same time as the death occurred, and they used and in Martha's Vineyard, which was only a few hours away from Provincetown. They used a ton of locals for the extra, like, the beach scenes and stuff like that. And there is this one shot that you can find online, and I'll send it over to Joe so maybe we can post on social media, of a woman with a blue bandana and long auburn hair. And she is thought that maybe she could be this poor woman. She does look very similar to some of those artist sketches. 
the person who brought this theory to public, you know, consideration is none other than Joe Hill, which is Stephen King's son. He was watching Jaws, and I guess he knew of this story of the Lady of the Dunes, and he was watching it, and that scene popped up, and he's like, oh my gosh, that kind of looks like the lady they're talking about. And yeah, and he said, he's like, I write fiction for a, for a living. I get it. It's pretty preposterous if that's true, but stranger things have happened. So, who knows? Fascinating. Very. Theories on the killers, on who might have committed the crime. There was a murderer in the area named Haddon Clark, who he said he did it. He said he, he did it. But authorities don't believe him because he was also paranoid schizophrenic. I believe, according to his record, he had only killed two people before this. And he said that he killed the Lady of the Dunes and there was evidence about it buried in his grandfather's yard. They never found any evidence. So they look? Yeah. But, there, but that's why they thought there, there was no way that he, he was telling the truth. And, like, the other two that he killed, were they in any particular brutal fashion? To be honest, I didn't look up the details on him. I know one of them was a girl and one of them was a woman. Because, I mean, the the sheer intensity of what happened to her. That's somebody who, it's not somebody who, you know, woke up and he's like, I'm going to go kill somebody today and do all these horrific things. That's, right. That's generally someone has built to that. Yeah, not only that, but it also feels like almost like um, like she was hunted. You know, she's she's kept in this secluded place and then the stuff that he's done to her is just horrific. Yeah, it's a lot to be done to somebody that a killer just comes upon. Unless, I don't know, and, and it's on a public beach, right? So yeah. it's not like it's the most secluded place to take a victim. Yes, but where she was, it's it's kind of, I, obviously I've never been there, but the way it's described, it is kind of off the beaten path. Like you kind of have to be a local to know where she, like the, the 13-year-old who found her body, that's where she walks her dog every day. Okay. But it's not necessarily where tourists go. So it was still a little bit off, like, not in full front of everybody on the beach. Right. And I mean, for me, when, because I know, I know this um, story. Mm-hmm. When they talk about beach, you think, because we're from Florida. Yeah. So we just think of the wide open sand and there may be some palm trees and that's about it. But her, her, she was actually like in kind of a wooded area. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another suspect was that they considered was Whitey Bulger. Mm-hmm. Because he was seen with someone at around the same time who had the same description of a woman with auburn hair around that age. Mm. In the same area? In the same area. In that she also, you know, he spent time with her and then she went missing. And he had a habit of killing people who knew too much or who found out things about his operation. So. And he was particularly vicious, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So that is the lady in the dunes. As you can see, there's not much to go on. And it's always a story that fascinates me just because she seems so put together that there would have been a family looking for her i mean you never know right but that it just it, you get that feeling from the way they describe her the way she took care of herself so i think it's interesting that they never found her but while i was doing this case that 24 year old bank robber drug dealer really caught my eye so i just wrote a couple things down about her if i could just let you know <laughs> so rory jean kessinger ran away from home at 15 and her family never saw her again okay okay uh, which is why her mother came forward with the DNA because she was like, I, I've never seen her again. I so want. even someone who your 15 year old ran away, she was looking for a kid. Yeah. 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 She became a drug dealer, bank robber and gun runner at 24 and went missing in 1973. 
she lived a very hippie vagabond lifestyle. She traveled all over the United States. She did all kinds of stuff and she got into a lot of illicit activities. She was wanted by police in several states such as Kansas, California, Texas, and Alaska. Wow. So she she made a lot of she got up through a lot of territory. Yeah. In January 1973, a cop found her running through the woods in nothing but lingerie. He took her home to help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, that fact's kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, help her quotes. <laughs> and she got his gun and pulled it on him and said, I'm sorry, but I have to kill you. He tackled her and she was taken into custody. When she was brought to a hospital, and I, do, I don't think these two things are related. I think she might have spent some jail time for, that, for the cop thing, and then this was something else. I'm not really sure. But when she was brought to a, cop, to a hospital... She stole another cop's gun and pulled it on a caseworker and, and the cop and said, die, you fucking pig. In both instances, she's reported as being high as hell. Oh, like okay. She was just totally off her, her rocker. But she, she, she was crazy pants. Um, <laughs> she, was, she was finally incarcerated in Plymouth County Jail, but on the night of May 26, 1973, she managed to escape when someone smuggled a hacksaw inside the jail to her. In a cake? My, I mean, very like, possibly like this reads like a movie i'm surprised nobody ever did and, and honestly when i when i was looking her up because i'm like oh that really that 24 year old person sound interesting i was looking her up not a ton of people have talked about her like there's not a ton of information there's a few articles and stuff like that but not a lot of people have talked about her mm. so i'd love to know a little bit more but there just wasn't a lot of information so she got the hacksaw and there was also there may have been a guard on the inside who helped her because she corrupted him or because she's like you could take me home and help me (laughs) yeah she paid paid him off she did something like that in 1974 an associate of rory's told police she was dead but she's never been found Mm. and so most people believe that she was she was killed due to her the activity she did you know she took part in in things she was obviously a hothead she's a little she's a little nut she's tapping into her own supply she was probably a liability and so for anybody she worked for running drugs or guns or whatever they probably they probably just took her out. So, but I was like, wow, like twenty four, like that's a lot to do by twenty four. So that is my official story of Lady of the Dunes with a little sidebar on Rory Jean Kessinger. So the Lady of the Dunes, right? Mm-hmm. She was discovered at what year? Nineteen seventy four. So this is what kills me, right? Because it's the seventies. So it makes me feel like. This is one of the multiple of teenage girls who went missing from some state to go to New York, to sure. go to the beach, to go to anywhere, right? So they hitchhiked there. Hollywood. Right? Maybe she wanted to be an actress, so she got that that extra part in, in Jaws, and it was her, you know, how she started or whatever. And then, of course, when her family reported her missing, she was reported as a runaway and nothing ever happened to her. Or happened to the case. And that's why nobody came forward to. Because if you're in another state at that time, mm-hmm. one, you're not going to know it. And, and B, the cops are saying, well, she ran away and that's all you can do. Right. And that's true. I They looked through missing persons files. They didn't necessarily look through runaway files. So it's, it's possible that she, there was never anything in the police database about her. Or that her family never even saw that there was a missing person who could be, that could look like her. You know, it is very sad. It's very sad. And then, of course, the teeth and missing hands were an obvious way to try to hide her identity because that's the best way that they were doing. They weren't really doing, you know, DNA, obviously, in 1974, but they were doing fingerprints and dental work. Do you think that they tried to take her head, too, but then they just couldn't finish the job? 
I, I that's a very good possibility. I think it's interesting that her head is almost like pillowed on her on her folded jeans and her bandana. That's a weird gentility that surprises me. Oh, see, I almost assumed like she had done that to begin with because like, like her pillow, like she was sunbathing, and somebody came up. Like you know, when you're sunbathing and you lay on your stomach, then you have you take whatever like your towel, right, or whatever you may have, and and you know, Bunch make it, behind your head yeah, make it a pillow or whatever um, under your forehead. Th- then somebody could crack her over the skull while she was laying there. Yeah, I mean that is that is a possibility, and it could have been someone she trusted. You know, I mean, they like they said they she was only on half of the towel. So if she was sitting there with someone who she thought was a friend, or maybe someone new she had met, or whatever. And then he does this. When you were first describing it, I actually had assumed that the tire tracks and the two sets of footprints were people that had killed her elsewhere and then were bringing the body to this secluded spot on the beach. But then, I mean, obviously that's not what it was afterwards, but right. that's kind of how it Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so only because of the position she was in. Right. And, as, and if I remember correctly, the footprints are leading away from the body. I think that's what they said. So it was. So it could have been someone in an accomplice, like mm-hmm. two people. I don't know. It's a it's a weird case. You do have to assume either. So if she was sharing a towel with someone, that someone either killed her, or was also killed. Like, yeah, where is the other yeah, person? What if the other person was another girl, and they were, and so she was killed, and then they took this other girl away? You know, I mean, who knows? That could be something like that. Her DNA is on file now, so it's a possibility we'll find someone who's related to her or who can lead back to who she is. So it's possible this case could get solved as far as who she is. I'm not sure if we'll ever know who killed her, but that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I almost feel like, and I don't know why, there's really no reason. I always feel, I feel like it's a random kind of thing with this one and not like somebody from her. I I really think she was probably... A kid hitchhiking somewhere, and and she met. Yeah, other... you seem you seem really on that. And I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, there's really no definitive reason I can give, but I, I it just seems to me that it has the feel of that. Okay, that's and it is possible. Mm-hmm. And it is possible she was a extra on Jaws, mm-hmm. and she met somebody on the set, and they're like, "Let's take a day trip, and I'll murder you, and then get back for the rest of the scenes." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Scary. And they'll be like, why are you covered in blood? He's like, it's a job. <laughs> what if that is what how it ultimately is found out is that it was like another extra that was on the set with her? Probably was. No, we can't say probably. We don't know that. If if she was that <laughs> girl. You know what? We've solved the case. I think it was Roy Scheider. He was in Jaws. That must be what happened. Oh, Roy. No, never. He's, he's a national treasure. I love Roy. You do have to wonder... Did the person who killed her, is this a one-time killing, or have they killed multiple people? And it sounds like someone would, who would have killed multiple people. I mean, the cutting off the hands. Yeah. That's uh, gruesome. That's gruesome. And also, like, I don't know what other tools you have to do that. I don't know how clean it was, you know, or, or anything like Nobody said anything in the articles, like, surgical or anything like that. Right. And obviously, if they were trying to cut off the head as Joe, as you suggested... And didn't accomplish that, then how could they get the hands off? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if you could do the hands, I feel like you could do the head. That kind of thing. I don't know. That's not even the worst part for me, because you can almost devise a reason, is that they killed her, 
They want to remove I her would. fingerprints, her teeth, and right. And so they they want stuff. to get rid of the identity, which which actually it would steer it so that they are somebody that she knew, and that her discovery would lead back to them, yeah. and that it wasn't random. Mm. However, the sodomy with a foreign object that has like a reason that only the killer knows. Yeah. Because it was done after death. That's what they said. And they don't know definitively if that's what happened. But Correct. And they and they even, like, the piece of wood part, that is also, in the articles I've read, it's suggested. I'm not sure if they ever found a piece of wood that yeah. was used. But something like did happen to her, obviously, post-mortem yeah. in that Some trauma. Way. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, someone who's got necrophilia or something like that. Or just, that seems like... It seems an anger thing. Like you are still angry at this person. Yeah, maybe because after she said they're no, dead. Because she said no, and yeah. he's, you know that's a very common thing to see. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I hope the reason that no family members came forward with a missing person is because it was a family member. Oh yeah, that's scary. The teeth taken out is really interesting too because it's like it doesn't say all of her teeth. You know what I mean? Obviously not. They found a lot of her dental work. So what was that guy doing? Just like yanking out individual teeth? Yeah, like he probably had... I that's mean, horrifying. He, Do you know how hard it is to get a tooth out of your jaw? Like it's really hard. I don't know. I mean, is it any harder than cutting off hands? I, <laughs> I think it's harder than cutting off a head. Like if you were if you were really trying to cut off a head to, to deter identity... I would rather do that than take out people's teeth. Hmm. I, I, I wonder what the order was. Did they try to take off the head, couldn't, and then went for the teeth? I don't know. Ugh. Mm. That's gross. You get the, the image of, like, a dude with a toolkit. Yeah, just, like, a military, like, a little shovel, a set of pliers, a hacksaw. You know, I mean, it's just, it's it feels very, um... Maybe ugh. the killer was that... Chick that escaped prison because she had a hacksaw. <laughs> that would have been dull by then. She used to get the bars. Oh, one other little fact about that: the prison where she got out, you could still see that the with the bars she like sawed through. That's cool. Yeah, her story is certainly interesting. Oh, she has she led an interesting life. Or is still leading. Or still leading. She yeah. can still be out there. I like there. to assume that she's still out there and she's old and she just tells her grandchildren about the things that she used yes. to do. Yes, I like to think that she's like. A nanny now, like yeah, she's this older, like calm down. No one has any clue. She takes care of babies. <laughs> yes, and I want, I want it to be like she's got a lot of money in the bank, but nobody understands, like knows where she got it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, it is. It sounds like a movie. Like they should make a movie about Rory Jean Kessinger. If you look up pictures of her, she's very pretty in some of them, but other ones are like mug shots that she just looks high as shit. She looks like totally baked, and I'm like, oh, Rory, what were you doing? Yeah, I wonder what she was into. Like, what was her drug of choice? It did say. I mean. Smuggling seventies, probably pot, maybe cocaine, maybe heroin. Well, if she marijuana was... wasn't illegal yet, are you sure? Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was illegal. I thought that was in the eighties. No, when Mar- the whole war on drugs no began. No. I don't know. Yeah, you but... don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, sources. Sources. My source is very easy. It's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. Mine, I took a lot from medium.com has a really good article on the Lady of the Dunes with great pictures of compositions of what they think she looks like. 
and thelineup.com. And then for Rory Jean Kessinger, I got most of my inspiration. I got most of my information from the Lost Girls blog. That's it. All right. So that's all for us today. If you want to reach out and contact us, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just, you know, search Murder Brunch. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at murderbrunchbunch at gmail.com. And our website is murderbrunchpodcast.com. And if you feel like, you know, sharing the wealth and uh, contributing to our weekly brunches, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash murderbrunch. All right. Well, join us next time for more mayhem. More murder. More snacks. Bye. Yeah. No? Didn't want to join in on that one? I just like watching you guys do it. <laughs> Perfect harmony. Mm.